You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. this about Paul. I really do. It doesn't matter what the adversity is. It doesn't matter what circumstances are. It doesn't matter what's happening, whether there's persecution or not. Nothing prevents him from doing that which the Lord had called him to do. I love that about him, and I think that's a great example to us. Nothing prevents him, not even a hurricane, from doing what God has called them to do. And Paul does it readily. He does it readily. It's wonderful. He never slowed down. He steadfastly moved forward. Do you ever feel like sometimes following Jesus is just difficult? In today's message, Pastor Dave gives us the example of David. No matter the adversities that David dealt with in life, he still followed God. That's what the Lord wants you to do. When life gets tough, lean on the Lord because he will provide for you. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 17 as he begins his message, Be a Berean. Well, it was Ben Franklin who said this, believe none of what you hear and only half of what you see. In an article that was published in 1845, however, the novelist, poet, Edgar Allan Poe revised this quote a little bit. And this is what he said. He said, believe nothing of what you hear and only half of what you read. When we believe something, We accept that thing to be true, to be genuine, to be real. That's what believe is. That's a a textbook definition of believe. Have you ever seen this commercial on TV about the girl who's coming out of her apartment and there's a guy standing there on a telephone, his car's beat up? The girl comes down there and she says, what are you doing? He says, I'm calling State Farm Insurance because my car's been hit and I want them to give me a quote over the phone and tell me immediately. And she says, oh, they can't do that. He says, what do you mean? She goes, yeah, I read out on the internet that they can't do that. The guy asks her, where'd you hear that? She says, the internet. Then she says, they cannot put anything on the internet that's not true. The guy says, hmm, where'd you hear that? She said, on the internet. So the commercial continues, and at the end of the commercial, the girl's date shows up. And it's this great big burly guy with long hair. I recognize him as a character actor. He's got glasses. He's kind of lumbering up there. And the guy says on the phone, says, who's that? She says, it's my date. He's a French ballet dancer. She, the guy looks at him and goes, where'd you meet her? And at the same time, they both said, internet. The guy walks up and he looks at the guy and goes, bonjour. <laughs> Anyhow, many people... Some Christians and non-Christians alike seem to accept everything they hear or read as true. Just look at the stir caused by the novel, The Da Vinci Code. Many, many, many people claiming to be Christians and not took that book for truth, took that book for gospel, and they made all kinds of assumptions about Jesus Christ based on that book. But they forgot one thing. 
It was fiction. It was somebody's idea. It was made up. But it gained a lot of novelty. Many people believe what is said in churches and what is said on TV, what they read in the newspaper, and certainly what they see on the Internet as being true. The way that girl did in the commercial. Because if it's said on TV, if it's in the newspaper, if it's said from the pulpit, if it's said on the Internet, then there it must be true. They give some credibility to the person saying it or to whom they're reading and to the point of being falsely misled. They, they give some credit to the median. They never check out what the person is saying, let alone check it out with the Word of God. See, I believe that misinformation is rampant in this country. And misinformation is coming from an awful lot of different areas in this country. And unfortunately, there are a lot of churches that are leading the way with misinformation. A lot of people are getting misled in all kinds of ways. Take this storm. Somebody texted me last night and said, are you going to be safe? I hear the water is supposed to come in tw over 20 miles. 20 miles? I texted that person back and said, if the water comes in 20 miles, that means it goes halfway to violin. We'll all be dead with the Lord. Praise God. I said, where did you get your information? That's what I'm saying. People hear things, and all of a sudden, they run with it. I was telling the guys this morning, I got up to come to church this morning. I turned on the TV, and there was these reporters on TV talking about the storm. I'm not trying to minimize this storm, please. You're not hearing this from me. I'm not minimizing the effect of the storm. But the guy on TV said, and now with the traffic report, here's Jillian Million to tell you about the mass evacuation from the shore points. And she's standing there with her eyes wide open like a deer in the headlights. She goes, and she turns around and goes, well, here's a picture of Stone Harbor Boulevard in Cape May. There was nobody there. It was absolutely empty. And one car drove by. And then she goes, and here's Route 1 in Delaware. There was nobody there either. But they had this mass evacuation from the shore. That's what I'm saying. We believe this. This guy says that. You know, oh, my gosh, mass evacuation. They hype. They hype. They hype. They hype. You know, one article I read said this. Christians have too often let the world or false teachers define for us biblical truths. Many get their understanding of biblical faith from the TV, where they hear radio and health and wealth preachers who are nothing but con artists defrauding their listeners out of millions of dollars. They present a distorted, deliberate perversion of biblical faith. And because it's on TV, it must be true. And we accept it at face value. I mean... They wouldn't put anything on TV that's false, right? Why do we even listen to these type of preachers, let alone say what, believe what they say is true? Many listening to these type of people accept their teaching without checking the content, without checking what they say. They never take the time to take what's being said and actually compare it to the truth, the Word of God. Today we're going to look at a very, very interesting group of people. They're called Bereans. They're different, but they're different in a good way. They're even different from the, those in Thessalonica. This group of people have certain characteristics that Dr. Luke points out to us. And as we study today's text, we will see a group of people who are not content to take what is being preached at face value. They checked out what was being said, and they compared it to what they had. They had Old Testament scriptures. And they compared the truth to what was being said. 
They wanted to know the truth, and they wanted to make, they went to the correct source for that truth. They went to the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God is true. The Word of God is inerrant, and the Word of God is infallible. This is why we go to the Word of God. It's our guidebook. We can learn a lot from these Bereans. And by following their example, it can help us to become better Christians. It helps us to become students of God's Word. It helps us to to grow in our faith and in the knowledge of our Lord and to draw ever closer to our Lord. When we started chapter 17, Paul and Silas moved on to Thessalonica. They spent time there and they preached Jesus in the synagogue. You remember the stories. And many, many, many came to faith. But persecution came around because of those that were envious, those that were angry at Paul and, and Silas. We see in verse 10 the results of this persecution. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. Paul and Silas once again are sent out of town secretly by night. Paul and Silas flee to Thessalonica quickly. They flee there. They run away from Thessalonica. They don't want to bring any more persecution to the Christians who are there, and they certainly don't want to jeopardize the bond put up by Jason. Remember, they had a, Jason had to put up money. He had to put up a bond so that uh, Paul and Silas could be free. But the harvest at Thessalonica had a great impact on the Apostle Paul. I'm sure that he felt he left them too early. I'm sure that he had much more that he wanted to teach them because he was there for only a short time. So much more that we get First and Second Thessalonians from that. And many people believe, many scholars believe, that Paul wrote the letter, the first letter to the Thessalonians right after he left this when he went to Corinth and a couple times down, a couple churches down. They believe that is when that letter was written. Paul had so much to share with these guys. Paul had a great heart, and he had a great heart toward the believers in Thessalonica. It's wonderful. We read last week what he said about their witness to the rest of Macedonia and Achaia from 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 6 through 7. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all Macedonia, Achaia, who believe. When the Thessalonian Christians faced the affliction from receiving the word, they faced it with joy in the Holy Spirit. Paul was an example to the Thessalonian Christians, and then they became an example to the rest of the people. The Thessalonian Christians distinguished themselves because they received the word even during hard times, even during affliction. The message they heard came with adversity, yet they received it and thanked Paul, and Paul thanked God for it. In only a few short weeks, Paul left them with the idea of discipleship. Paul's message included an element of discipleship. There was a sense in which Paul personally led these Thessalonian Christians into a spirit-filled life. They could see his life, and they wanted to be just like him. I want to be like that guy. I want to be like that guy. This is kind of a theme in a lot of Paul's writings, because he says in Philippians 3.17, Brethren, Join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have for us a pattern. He says to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 11.1, imitate me also as I imitate Christ. These are great words. These are tough words. Can you say that? Can you say to someone who's struggling in their Christian walk, imitate me as I imitate Christ? Wow. Paul had a true heart of a missionary. And he wanted these new disciples to continue on in the Lord. But he had to leave. He was being sent out. He had to leave Thessalonica because of the persecution that was happening. So he goes to the next town, Berea. 
And when he got there, it's business as usual. Look, the synagogue. Let's go in. They went into the synagogue. Look, beginning in chapter 17, 10. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. I love this about Paul. I really do. It doesn't matter what the adversity is. It doesn't matter what circumstances are. It doesn't matter what's happening, whether there's persecution or not. Nothing prevents him from doing that which the Lord had called him to do. I love that about him, and I think that's a great example to us. Nothing prevents him, not even a hurricane, from doing what God has called them to do. And Paul does it readily. He does it readily. It's wonderful. He never slowed down. He steadfastly moved forward. That's how he can say to the Corinthian church, one of our favorite verses, be steadfast and movable, knowing that your work in the Lord is not in vain. That's how he can say that. We know from past scriptures what happened once Paul got into the synagogue. We know he's going to do the same thing he did in Thessalonica. In Thessalonica, in Acts 17.2, he said, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is Christ. There's another thing I love about the Apostle Paul. His message never changes. The Apostle Paul was always Christ and Christ crucified. Paul preaches the gospel because he knows it has the power of God to salvation. He is confident in God's words. Paul continues to preach to them. Now, beginning in verse 11, Dr. Luke, who is the author of the book of Acts, is now going to give us some characteristics about these Berean people, these Berean guys. Now, remember, when he gives these characteristics, they were not saved yet. This is prior to salvation. But he talks about how they received the word. And it's a really interesting observation. And he actually compares them to the Thessalonians. Let's begin in verse 11. These, being the Bereans, were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Paul loved the Thessalonians. Hello, Mom. Paul loved the Thessalonians, and they were really close to his heart. And he talked about them in great, in great length. But you can imagine how he felt about these Bereans? They received the word with all readiness, and they searched the Scriptures daily to find out if these things were so. Can you imagine how his heart soared? It says they were fair-minded. And, and the fair-minded is being defined as one who is just, one who is impartial, one who is not prejudiced. Luke calls these Bereans fair-minded because of the way they treated Paul's message. They did not judge the messenger. They judged the message. And that was important. These Jews and those who gathered in the synagogue received the word with all readiness. The Greek word here is proomia, prothomia. It means zeal, earnest, or eagerness with all reasoning. Paul reasoned with them through the scriptures, just like he did before, and they received it with eagerness and zeal. And their eagerness was towards the things of God. And as Paul explained to them and demonstrated that Jesus is the Christ, they received it. But they did not hear Paul's words and believed immediately. This was what makes them more fair-minded. In fact, some of the translations say noble, calling them a noble breed. They searched the scriptures. They wanted proof from God's word. And in context, 
The meaning of the word search here is scrutinized, investigated, and they determined what the Scripture said. They dug into the Word of God for themselves and gleaned from it from the truth it reveals. We've used this scripture many, many times, and it's one of my favorites. It says, God rewards those who diligently seek him. These Bereans were diligently seeking God to get the truth, and they did it daily. Each time they heard Paul speak, they would go back to the scriptures, and they would investigate it. They wanted to be sure. They wanted to know the truth. What happens when you search the scriptures? What happens when you search the scripture? Who is revealed in the scriptures? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is revealed in the Scriptures. Jesus clearly says to the Jews, you search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. In Hebrews 10, verse 7, the author quotes from the Messianic Psalm 40, verses 6 through 8, Then I said, Behold, I have come, in the volume of the book is written of me to do your will, O God. This quotation is taken from the Septuagint version, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which is what the common Bible was back then. This version was most commonly used in the first century. And this psalm prophetically shows and declares Jesus is sufficient in character of the Old Testament sacrifice and declared his willingness to offer a perfect sacrifice under the new covenant. This declares of Jesus Christ that he is the one who was to come. And in the volume of the book, it's written of him. The Old Testament is all about Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus Christ. Now, some of you may be scratching your head and say, what do you mean? It's all about Jesus Christ. He is all the way through, interwoven through all types of people. We talked about in the study of Exodus, we talked that Moses becomes a type of Christ in many different ways. Joseph was a type of Christ. You can see these things as you go through the Bible. In all the shadows, in all the books, it's one continuous story preparing the hearts of man for the coming Messiah. It's all about Jesus Christ. The prophecies, the hopes, all prefigured in the Old Testament. These are the scriptures that the Bereans had, and these are the scriptures that they searched. David Gusick says this, the Bereans were taught by one of the most famous apostle and theologian in early church history. He was the human author of at least 13 New Testament books. Yet they searched the scriptures when Paul taught to see if his teaching was truly biblical. They would not accept Paul's word at face value, but they wanted to know if these things were so. Are these things real? When they heard Paul teach, their settled reaction wasn't, oh man, he's a fine speaker. Or, hey, he's pretty funny. I like the way that guy talks. I don't like the way he talks. They didn't say that. They went and they looked to see what he was saying to see if it was true. They wanted to know, are these things so? Is this man teaching us truth? Let the scriptures, let's study them daily to find out whether these things are so. And look at the research. It wasn't casual. This wasn't a casual fly-by-night research. This was study. They searched the scriptures. It was worth it to them for the hard work that they put in to investigate the word of God and how Paul's teachings matched up with the very word. They searched the scripture daily. It wasn't a one-time shot. They searched the scriptures daily. It was an extended study. They were diligent. They wanted to find out, it says. They believed they could not understand, but they could find out the truth from the Bible. For them, the Bible wasn't just merely a pretty book. It wasn't a book of poetry. It wasn't a mystery. It wasn't just some nice spiritual day-to-day, thought-for-the-day type of thing. It was the Word of God. 
It was true for their lives, and if they applied it to their lives, their lives would be better. Their lives would be more rich. Their lives would be powerful. But with all diligent searching and concerning the truth, the Bereans did not become skeptics because they received the word with all readiness. When Paul preached, they had open hearts and clear heads. Too many people today have clear heads but closed hearts. And they never received the word with all readiness. It was both of these things that made the Bereans more fair-minded than the Thessalonians. What's the result of this searching? What's the result of receiving God's word with all readiness, with open hearts and open minds? They believed. They believed in the scriptures. In that verse 12, therefore many of them believed, and also not a few Greeks, prominent women as well as men. Therefore, the therefore refers to verse 11 and means that because they received the word with all readiness and then they searched the scriptures daily with all diligence, they believed. They investigated. They found out. They chewed for it upon them themselves. The Lord rewarded them with the greatest possible gift, salvation. What a wonderful reward. Some say the Bereans had a lot of concern for their sin. Because when they searched the scriptures, when they found out who the Messiah was, and indeed this Messiah was Jesus Christ, they repented and came to faith. They had concern for their sin. These were men and women of great faith in God's word. They believed God's word, and they wanted to make sure what was so. As we finish up this section in Acts 17, verses 13 and 14, but then the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea. They came there also and stirred up the crowds. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to sea, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. So these envious Jews still come from Thessalonica to get Paul and Silas, and they wanted to beat them up. Now, Berea is about 45 miles from Thessalonica. Now, in those days, that's almost a two-day journey. Because they usually traveled by foot. So these guys were purpose. They wanted to get there. They wanted to hurt Paul and Silas. They had some purpose in their traveling. Who knows how long it took them. But the section closes with Paul going away and Silas and Timothy joining him later. It's a great section. But we can learn so much from this section. I'm sure if you've been around Christianity long enough, you've heard somebody say, are you a Berean? You've heard that. You've probably heard that term. It might have even been kicked around. I mean, now they have Berean colleges. They have Berean universities. There's even a Berean denomination. My question is, do you share any of the characteristics of the Bereans? Do you share any of those characteristics? How do you receive the Word of God? Do you receive it with all readiness? When you come to a Bible study or when you come here Sunday morning, do you come with an expectation of hearing from the Lord through the Word? Have you prepared your heart to receive what God might want to talk to you through His Word? Is your heart open to whatever the Lord might want to say? You know, when we have expectations, it's an act of expecting or looking forward to a future event with at least some reason to believe that it's going to happen. It's always a prospect of good to come, usually, because you know what? Our God does not disappoint. Our God does not disappoint. Look what the psalmist says in Psalm 62, 5. My soul, wait patiently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. You are You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. 
Pastor Dave has been making his way through the book of Acts, an exciting adventure into the beginnings of the Christian church. These first few days, weeks, months, and years of the Christian ministry were filled with much faith and courage. In fact, the very first martyrs were mentioned in this book. It was an interesting time in history for sure, and just like today, some people were eager to hear about Jesus, and others were looking to put those down who follow after him. What are some of the things that have stood out to you about today's message? We'd like to hear about it. Would you give us a call? Let us know how this message has impacted you. Our number is 609-884-5821. Once more, that number is 609-884-5821. If you're in the Cape May area, you're invited to join us at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, and we'd like to get to know you and worship God together this weekend. Check out AssureHopeRadio.com to find out service times. Again, that's AssureHopeRadio.com. And if you can't make it in person, we stream our services live to Facebook and YouTube. Just look for the links at AssureHopeRadio.com. That's all the time we have for today. But we hope you'll join us again on the next edition. Pastor Dave will continue on in the book of Acts, helping you understand and appreciate this great book here on Assure Hope. Bye.